0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Living Real Podcast. I'm Melanie Shaw, your host, as well as founder and editor-in-chief of Living Real Magazine. On the 10th of each month, I will get to introduce you to someone that I've met who has a sincere desire to live out their real faith in real life. Someone who doesn't mind sharing their struggles because they want to encourage us to stay the course someone who's overcome and can testify to the faithfulness of Almighty God. I'm so excited about each conversation that we're gonna have, and I pray God will use our words to bring glory to His Son, Jesus Christ. So are you ready? I know I am. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to episode number one of the Living Real podcast. Today I'm talking with Jen Thompson, Executive Director of Lighthouse for Life. I selected this organization because, first of all, Jen is, January, sorry, is Human Trafficking Awareness Month, and second, Lighthouse for Life is the nonprofit that Living Real supports. So it's my pleasure to welcome my friend Jen Thompson. Thank you Jen for coming and sharing your passion for Christ and this amazing ministry. Because we might have some listeners out there who have never heard of Lighthouse for Life, please tell us about this organization and their mission.
1: Absolutely, and thanks for having us on.
0: You're it's welcome, a
1: pleasure to be with you. Um so the mission of Lighthouse for Life is is pretty straightforward. Uh, We exist to raise awareness about the realities of human trafficking in South Carolina and the United States. Um, It's not like the movies, you know, it's much more real and present with us. And then we also um, exist to bring direct services to uh, victims and survivors to try to help them, you know, get out of the life.
0: Very good. All right. So how did you become involved with Lighthouse for Life and explain your role a little bit?
1: Okay. Um, So I met uh, the founder of Lighthouse for Life, Andrea Wind, back in 2014. And at that time, I had an awareness of human trafficking, but really only on what I'd call an international scale. And uh, then through a mutual friend, uh, I was made aware of Andrea and, you know, a local reality. And then on February the 10th, 2015, I went to Mount Horeb and heard uh, my very first um, survivor from America share her story. And so that following summer, um, I was teaching at the time. And so that following summer, I said, I will give the month of July to volunteering for this ministry. And by September, there was contemplation of a job, but I've stayed with them as a volunteer for an entire year, uh, continuing teaching and fulfilling my contract and then became a paid employee um, the summer of 2016. Okay,
0: so prior to this, you were a public school teacher? Yeah,
1: spent 15 years um, in the education, public education, uh, 14 of those years in Lexington and one of those years in Spartanburg, South Carolina.
0: Very cool. All right, so how long have you now been with um, lighthouse for life
1: well i guess since the the, the very beginning of volunteer time t- and in all total um gosh five years four four and a half to five years
0: wow time really flies it Does because i remember <laughs> You know, so many years ago when I received a call from you and asked if we could meet actually at a Starbucks. So this might have been our second meeting. Yeah. Um, Because you remember our first meeting. Yes. So won't you refresh my memory yeah. and our listeners our, as to how we actually met? Uh, yeah,
1: so you were literally the first person in, in, you know, a job that was what I considered a ministry, you know, you know, living real and stuff and with your church. um, The first person in ministry that I met with, to talk to about, hey, human trafficking, have you heard of it? I'm trying to volunteer, how do I do it? Like, you were just like the first person that I went to. And we met at a Groucho's Deli downtown. (laughs) And um, even more ironic to me was that that morning at your church at Trinity, my parents had attended a prayer breakfast at the invitation of someone else. And so you had breakfast with my parents and then you turned around and had lunch with me on the same day. (laughs) That is so crazy, but I love how God
0: networks people's Mm -hmm. lives together and fulfills His purpose by just intermingling His children. It's it's just so fun to watch. Um, But on that other particular time that we met, it was at a Starbucks. And I think the reason that you had invited me to that, um, to have a cup of coffee with you that day was to ask me to be a prayer warrior for you. Yes, And I just want to let you know that it has been such a privilege to Mm -hmm. lift you up and your needs before the throne of Jesus and um, I thank you for allowing me to be an intimate part of your spiritual walk.
1: Thank you. It's necessary.
0: It's very necessary for us to have people that lift us up and pray for us. So so since the name of the magazine is Living yeah. Real, I want us to get real for a few minutes and talk a little about your personal faith and your walk with Christ. Sure. Um, so how does your faith in Jesus Christ impact your willingness to serve in this capacity with Lighthouse for Life?
1: So, it's the sole source of the reason why I serve with Lighthouse for Life. Um, Truly, uh, teaching was my niche, my lifelong goal. I had fun with it. I was good at it. I'd found a place where I thought I would retire from at that particular school. And um, one day I remember praying and saying, You know, Jesus, like, I'd like to volunteer for something. Maybe you would just give me one thing. Instead of doing a lot of things a little bit, I asked him if I could do one thing, you know, a little deeper. And uh, he introduced me to, to Lighthouse for Life. And um, if, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have said yes to the job and I would have quit numerous times along the way because um, it's so dependent on him. Everything's dependent on him. But when I had the job in the school system, I felt much more um, under the myth that I was in charge or in control, oh, wow. and in your when you're in a, a nonprofit where you're sus, you know you're only sustained by the support of the community provided by Jesus and wisdom and all these other things because I went from being a teacher to the leader of a nonprofit like only Jesus he's the only reason
0: exactly and I think that's what's so cool is because we can't take any glory oh, no. for anything of <laughs> of that kind of magnitude anyway, because it, it's not of us. No. We, we can't do it. It's that's the same with um being, you know, founder and editor of Living Roll magazine. I was a teacher. Yeah. And I never dreamed of being anything else but a musician. And then I end up being this. And yeah. that's only by the grace of God and just being willing, you know, to say mm-hmm. yes. When you ask him for it, he's gonna give you something that you cannot take credit for. That's right. So um, I know that no matter where we are in our spiritual maturing process, then we all struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes people want to kind of gloss over the struggles and make faith look like it's all easy and beautiful mm-hmm. and perfect, especially with social media. And we have all these beautiful <laughs> memes that yes. we can create. Um, but it's not. Walking with Jesus is joy, but It's also hard because we have to learn to trust. Every step is a step of trust. Yes. So what are some of the struggles that you've encountered and what has helped you to overcome them?
1: Man, well, um, when you say the word trust, uh, it it throws my mind back to the hymn that I was raised on, Trust and Obey, for Mm -hmm. there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And uh, I didn't know what I was singing at that Mm. time. Um, And I didn't really know the meaning of the word grace or the fact of the verse, the truth will set you free. Um, None of that had the value to my spiritual reality uh, the way it does now when I first uh, joined the ministry. And so I would say personally, the struggle is getting my eyes off of myself. Um, Because like you said, if, if we say, well, yeah, look what we've done, then we have this pride. And then if we say, look, we failed, then we have this still arrogance because we're like, it depended on me. Right. And so we have to, this one struggle that I have is a perpetual need to come to the Savior and ask him to lift my head, like he says in the Psalms, and keep my eyes on him, like it says in Hebrews, and to remember that he is, or you know, I am, like he said to Moses. And so literally the struggle is, not to be selfish. Not to let the enemy tell you the lies that you're um, not the right person for the job. That you've made all these mistakes, and I have made mistakes, but it's it's you learn from them and right. you trust the Father and you you just have the for me it's just a a big focus issue. I say is is just um, eyes off of me and eyes to him.
0: That's awesome. Um, So I know that you were telling me a little earlier, because you've just had some surgery, and one of the things that God has taught you, even in this downtime of having to depend on other people, delegate, (laughs) some things like that, there's one word that has stuck out to you, and you noticed it when you walked into my (laughs) studio today. So what was that word? Joy. Joy. and.
1: Uh, Tell me about that. How has that ministered to you? Well, it's it's evolved with me and my my personal friendship with Jesus over the course of the last month Um, because I was down, like you said, um, for 10 or 11 days, you know, at home with need of help. And it got heavy. It's the holidays and you're missing, you know, quote, the season and all that. And and then um, there was just this moment where I got real with Jesus, and because sometimes I think we get caught up in the idea that we have to pray a certain way, or if we hear our pastor say that the way he connected with Jesus was on the dock at the water, then we're like, ooh, I should go to a dock with Mm -hmm. water. like, Or whatever it is, you know, I get up at 6 a.m. and I have my coffee and my quiet time. Like, whatever it is, sometimes I've been guilty of trying to speak however it was that somebody else might have been speaking so that I could connect with Jesus well. And what I learned and what he told me in my soul is you don't have to talk to me like anybody else talks to me. You can talk to me from flat on your back with surgery and needing help and a lot of fear and and falling asleep and being awake intermittently. You can mm-hmm. just talk to me. And so I remember distinctly on December 22nd, just kind of having this little five minute breakdown of like, Jesus, I'm, I'm scared. Am I gonna get better? Am I gonna get my voice back? How's Lighthouse for Life? I don't even know. Like, I was just so honest with him. And then I literally fell back to sleep. Like, wow. I, but I know and mm-hmm. remember that. And within 24 hours, um, the Lord had someone call me and share something with me that just broke open um, my soul. And it's kind of like that verse about the joy unspeakable or beyond words or just overflowing or all those things. And it's, it's like that verse in the Psalms that you're talking about, this in your book that, um, Back in October, when you know, Lighthouse hit some really big bumps. Um, the first part of that verse, I will make known to you the path of life, is what he used to get me through there. And I didn't even pay attention to what came after that. <laughs> and then in my just daily devotion time that he led me to very ran- randomly, but not mm-hmm. up pops the second part of that verse um, in my presence and the thing is we're always in his presence and he just said to me i speak your speak jen Mm. i speak jen and i speak it better than you because i made you right and so that's been um the personal impact of of that word uh on my journey and i hope that as i return to work now that the holiday season is is kind of complete and the new year has begun that i will carry that forward um Not on my shoulders. Again, you know, um, one of the things I've been studying is the principle of quitting. Hmm. Not your job, but quitting trying to be your ideal self. Quit with the pressure, quit with the expectations and the comparison and the myth and the um, just quit. Like, who set that standard? Mm -hmm. You know, and he's the hero. So I'm just, uh, I'm so thankful for the season that I'm in. Where I feel him and hear him, I mean, even the conversation we had prior to recording. Mm-hmm. I mean, the verse—it's in your book. It's just—it's just everywhere. It's—it's it's so true
0: because in His presence is the fullness of joy, and that's the second half of that Psalm sixteen eleven verse and. Um, God just struck me with that years ago and it's Mm. actually used in my, my blog and like I said I signed these books with it but it's so true and it's not that his presence disappears it's that we don't recognize it and when we're intentionally recognizing that we're in his presence and it's not about us but it's all about him then you know, that joy just overflows and it's not something the world can give you. It's only can flow from the heart of the father through his son, Jesus Christ. And um, I just appreciate you so much sharing real struggles because, (laughs) you know, who would think, you know, the executive director of Lighthouse (laughs) for Life, you know, when you have titles, sometimes it just puts even more pressure on you because you think you have to perform to be and be something that you're not, and mm-hmm. that's not that's not true. Well, so it's
1: it's funny they actually changed my title a little bit back, and I haven't even like owned it well. But they ch- they changed my title to the CEO, and I'm just like nothing more about my character changes in that title, but the man made logic is where we get those expectations so i love right. what you're saying because yes. it's so true it is true it is true so what are
0: some of the challenges then in um helping these victims of human trafficking that lighthouse for life hopes to accomplish what, what do you well you?
1: um in the in the five and a half years that the ministry has been in existence um even before i came along and since then um, we've been able to serve about 39 people and some of those people, when we first encountered them, one of the biggest challenges that survivors have is not knowing they were trafficked. Mm. And there's a deep amount of education that I've received and continual learning about the trauma bonding and the psychological you know, hold that um, a trafficker has on a victim. And it, it um, correlates a lot with domestic violence. There's a high recidivism rate for when people leave the life and then find themselves back in that spot because of a true lack of options and so some of the struggles are just um, allowing the person to have their own journey at their own pace and try to connect with them and serve them yet not define them and let the lord and and their whoever they're seeing for counseling and all those things help them in their journey Mm -hmm. and it's it's crazy rewarding when you have someone come to you and pull you aside and say hey uh guess what i just kind of realized like that guy wasn't my boyfriend. Mm. And you don't say, well, yeah, you 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 just be quiet and you just listen and you affirm the truth that they're seeing for themselves because that's how they'll keep it the best. Right. So, so sometimes the big struggle is just with identification. Sometimes the struggle is with recidivism or the trauma bond and the tendency to go back to your abuser for reasons that are honestly, somewhat beyond your control, you, you really sort of can't help it. And then sometimes, uh, as far as the Keras home, um, the the struggle there is just getting off the ground. We're basically building a plane while we're flying the plane. And the average amount of time that it usually takes a safe home for children to open is seven years. And so we were open for um, six weeks <laughs> in this past year, um, August the 12th was the day that we were fully staffed, fully licensed, fully contracted, fully staffed and trained, and told DSS we're ready. Mm-hmm. And um, during those six weeks, we only received one referral, and it was from someone who was trafficked within just a few miles of the home. Wow. And so even location can be a barrier because it wouldn't have been in her best interest to be housed within a few miles of where she was trafficked, and it would have put the whole program at risk. Mm-hmm. And so it broke our hearts to turn down our first referral, and it broke our hearts to sit six weeks ready after all this work. And then we um, experienced a loss of staff. In three weeks, we we lost four staff due to things beyond anyone's control, even theirs. Mm-hmm. And so Another barrier to to helping victims is to find sustainable trained uh, staff that can can make it mm-hmm. you know because it's taxing on the right. emotions and the heart and the soul and the spirit and that's not a stab against anyone who couldn't stay because they they wanted to it just they just couldn't right um, so all all the struggles that everybody has every day plus, um relying on uh giving of the community to to sustain you financially um and and also victims and survivors are transient a lot um these friends move around um sometimes they move because they're afraid right of trying Mm -hmm. to be caught by their trafficker and they're trying to stay ahead of that sometimes they're moving from place to place because they don't want to go into a residential facility because they had bad experiences. Um, or sometimes they just don't have... They're just not ready. Right. So in a wow. nutshell, that that's a few of the reasons.
0: Okay, so the Keras Home itself is another extension of Lighthouse for Life right. that you are um, hoping to open soon, Yes, which will help with rescuing victims mm-hmm. and restoring them yes. back to normal as normal can be um after being caught up in this evil yes so what um so some other homes that y'all have explored what are some of the the successes um that you, you've you've um come in contact with yeah so that people know that if they want to help with helping the cares home that there is hope there for these is girls.
1: yeah it once the homes get off the ground it's much easier to sustain um, them yeah, for staying open mm-hmm. because the government if you work with DSS they assist you uh, a little bit financially and with case management and stuff so once homes are able to open then that's that once it gets off the ground and gets some some residents it, it helps itself to stay open right. um, the one home that's open in south carolina there's only one aside mm-hmm. from our our cares home plan um, and it's called doors to freedom and they were established in 2011. And they opened in a year and a half ago, a residential facility in Charleston. Mm -hmm. And so we are in contact with them all the time. And when our our staffing uh, scenario happened, we actually went and visited them and spent time with them and have made a few adjustments to our programming to align more to how theirs works Mm -hmm. to see if that will help with our program. So in the entire state, the only other home for children is is doors to freedom in Charleston, but it's doing great. And the reason for the low amount of homes is just because of the low amount of awareness of right. trafficking. Because there are trafficking survivors that are staying in other residential facilities that do great work. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Right. But then the specificity, um we we spent time with a group um in Florida, um wings of I don't want to get it wrong, I'm sorry, Wings of Shelter, I think, or Wings of Freedom. There's a bunch of wings, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, one of our mentor programs is in uh, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, called Rescuing Hope. Mm-hmm. And uh, that foundation and has been essential to us and we've, we've connected with people in Charlotte. Um, we actually joined a group that is only for shelters of, uh, that house trafficking survivors. And we spent time uh, at their conference this year for the first time. So we are building a network. Um, It's just not that many homes yet in South Carolina for children. Gotcha.
0: But it is just, it's such an incredible vision. And
1: uh, what are the ages again that you will be housing? We are licensed and and preparing to serve females 12 Mm -hmm. to 21. 12 to
0: 21, okay. All right, well, we're going to move back a little bit to um, more about God and the faith portion of this ministry. So what are some attributes of God that you've witnessed through being a part of Lighthouse for Life? Some of his character qualities.
1: Yeah, Uh, the two that come to mind the most are in, one is in our tagline. Our tagline is grace wins. And Mm -hmm. so his grace, meaning that he is kind to us for no reason and abundantly so. And we have that message, and we say grace wins because at the end of the day in Romans, the Lord says that His kindness is what leads to a changed heart and repentance. So we believe that by displaying grace to uh, trafficking victims and and anyone in the community, when they don't have self-worth, much less an understanding that anyone else would be kind to them, we believe that grace is what will carry the day. Mm. Um, and then the other attribute that we say amongst our staff a lot is uh, the Lord has shown us a pattern of faithfulness. And so that means that He isn't bound by time. And that there have been moments and months where to us it seemed um, bleak. And then He would say to me, You know, Jen, I'm not bound by July. You know, I don't have bad months or whatever, and in the end, he's been faithful, always. Exactly. And so, grace and faithfulness.
0: Good. I like those two words, grace and faithfulness, because he is faithful, and it's nothing that we do. It's mm-hmm. all about him. And if we are surrendered and humbled before him, um, he he will be completely faithful to accomplish what he started in our lives and that's scripture. He he that's will right. complete the work that he has begun um in our personal lives. And that may look like being a part of Lighthouse for Life. That might be, you know, how you are raising your children at home. It might be how you're being a teacher, how whatever your role is in life, um, God is going to complete what he started when you surrender to him. And and that's amazing. Um, so I'm sure there are those listening today that would love to be a part of this ministry mm-hmm. in some sort of fashion. So what are the ways that people can get involved?
1: Uh, there's a plethora of those. <laughs> uh, li- literally right now, if you follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you'll see where we're posting one way to help each day for the entire month of January, uh, because January, like you said, is trafficking awareness month. And so we're calling it 31 ways in 31 days. And so each day you can find a very practical way to help. And some of them might say, pray. And if you aren't a person of faith, then you know that might not apply to you. But if you are a person of faith, then you would agree with me that there's nothing more important that you can do. So literally we have a volunteer prayer team that mm-hmm. people can go to our website, lighthouseforlife.org and find a daily prayer request. They can also email us at volunteer at lighthouseforlife.org and our volunteer coordinator will respond with a significant list of options. People can also go to lighthouseforlife.org and hit um, get involved tab and find eight categories. Some of these could be public policy where you're writing letters and making phone calls and spreading the word about different laws that need to come forward. Um, You can train to be a speaker. One of uh, our mutual friends is actually involved in that process right now. And I'm very thankful oh. for her. And mm-hmm. so um, you can network for us. Perhaps you're hearing this podcast and thinking, oh, man, it would be really good if my friend who is on the school board would help get free awareness into so-and-so school or so-and-so bus drivers or any anybody, like you said, in any capacity can leverage that mm-hmm. for the kingdom in this realm just by knowing the signs of what to look for. And when they see something, they can say something. Um, People can also donate. Um, That's personally the hardest for me to ask, but it is the most sincere need because that's how we get our work done. And so literally people can donate through Facebook or write a check and mail it in to our mailing address that's listed on the website or donate through the website. And there are partner levels where people can become an individual partner at various amounts of money per month, or businesses, churches, um, small groups, Sunday school classes, you know, families. But the thing is, I had someone tell me, "Well, I didn't see a level that I could connect with, so I didn't give." And and you don't need that. <laughs> you don't need to connect with a level that I tell you. Those are right. just options that we give as a way to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Literally, what if so many people gave five or ten dollars a month? Because you're, you're, you're going to join a gym or get Netflix or Hulu and then forget. And it's going to automatically draft out of your bank and you're not going to think about it because it's such a small number. But I remember the story of feeding the 5,000 and they just gave what they had. Right. You know, and it multiplied. And so any financial donation is, is truly um, very helpful and beneficial to opening the safe home and um, helping with the awareness all across the state.
0: That's excellent. And and I do encourage anybody that's listening to please get involved. If you are, if the Lord is impressing upon your heart to um, get involved with this ministry, because it is, it's a powerful ministry. It is watching redemption right before your eyes, just as God has redeemed us. Um, it is amazing to watch it in real life happen to someone when they're healed and yes. they receive um and want to be restored and um and just helping somebody get out Mm -hmm. of this type of slavery in our country is is just amazing and i know i'm just a a small portion but this is so close to my heart and i just um i just really would encourage you to get involved if you possibly can so as we get near the end jan was there anything else you want to share with our listeners today
1: I think that the top priority I would express to anyone would be, do you have a relationship that is safe and secure and steady and grace-filled and faithful? Hmm. And one, that could come from a posture of faith. Do you have a personal relationship with our Savior? And then secondly, do you have that kind of relationship with a human? Because the two greatest commandments are love God and love people. And you'd be amazed at the number of people that were blackmailed into trafficking simply because someone knew something about them, had a picture of them, had a video of them, and, and blackmailed them, never even had a gun mm-hmm. to their head, just had a blackmail to their, to their conscience. Right. And if they would have had one person that they felt comfortable reaching out to, it's possible that that relationship could have prevented the pain So do you have someone in your world like that? And are you that type of person? Are you quick to judge before you hear the whole story? Right. So relationship, I would just end with you need a savior. And then do you let him use you to love other people? And are you allowing yourself to be fully known and fully loved by other people as well?
0: That is a great word. Thank you. Thank you. Before we end, I do want to... um, just pray this scripture over Jen and for Lighthouse for Life. And it happens to be the scripture we used on the back of our 10th issue of Living Real Magazine. It's one of my favorite verses. It's Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 um, from the NIV version. So if you wouldn't mind just uh, allowing me to pray this over you guys. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. And Father, I just pray that with the next breath, with the next step, with whatever you call this um, ministry to do next, Lord, that they are listening to you wholeheartedly and that they walk in faith wholeheartedly with you and we give you praise and honor and glory in jesus name amen amen so if you missed something that was said about a link mentioned um, please check out the show notes under the podcast on your device and again i want to thank you for joining us today episode two will air on february 10th 2020 and until then let's keep it real for jesus sake Well, that's a wrap, you guys. I pray today's conversation has encouraged you, challenged you, and most of all, pointed you to the source of our faith, Jesus. If you would like to know more about Living Real Magazine, please visit our website at livingrealmag.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Living Real Mag. And until next time, remember, Let's keep it real for Jesus' sake.